Welcome to the official podcast for Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization. I'm Beth, a.k.a. Triumvir Clio. Hello again. Welcome back. I hope you're well. It's almost June. Admittedly, I'm writing this episode in April, so yeah. Anyway, today we have the next chapter of the Bibliotheca. We are up to book three, chapter six. As a reminder, I'm working from the Fraser translation that is freely accessible in multiple places online. We last left off with the story of Oedipus, and we pick up the story with his sons, Teocles and Polynices. They make a pact to take turns ruling Thebes in alternating one-year terms. Now, as with all things mythology, it all depends on who you ask, so maybe Polynices ruled for a year and then passes the throne to Eteocles, or maybe Eteocles is the first to rule and simply refuses to give Polynices a chance. Whoever is first, Eteocles does break the agreement and even goes so far as to banish his brother. Polynices takes the necklace and robe that Cadmus gave Harmonia, and he flees to Argos. Once there, he gets into a fight with Tydeus. Adrastus breaks up the fight and remembers an oracle once told him that his daughters should marry a boar and a lion. And Polynices and Tydeus remind him of a boar and a lion, so the matches are made. Then Adrastus promises to help each young man regain his respective kingdom, starting with Thebes. Amphiaros, being a soothsayer, sees that this is not going to go well and declines to join the army. Polynices asks Iphis how they can convince Amphiaros to join in, and Iphis says that Eryphile, Amphiaros's wife, really wants that necklace. She's been forbidden from taking anything from Polynices, but he sweet-talks her into taking it, and she then convinces her husband to join the war. And Firehaus knows that this isn't going to end well, so he tells his sons that once they are grown, they should kill their mother and march against Thebes themselves. Once an army with seven leaders has been assembled, Adrastus leads them off to Thebes. Who were those seven leaders? Well, it all depends on who you ask, and I'm not going to read them all. They stop in Nemea for a drink. Hypsipyle shows them the way, leaving her charge, Opheltes, alone long enough for a serpent to kill the baby. Adrastus and his army kill the serpent and bury the baby, and Amphiaros says, See, this is not a good sign. I told you this mission is cursed. But no one listens because they are too absorbed in some funeral games at which everyone wins. Then they travel to Catherion, where they send Tydeus ahead to give Eteocles their ultimatum. Not only does Eteocles ignore the message, he sends 50 armed men out to challenge Tydeus in single combat. Tydeus wins, killing 49 of the 50 before he heads back to the camp. The army then divides into seven so that they can amass troops at each of the seven gates of Thebes. And inside the city, Eteocles divides his army similarly. And he asks his soothsayers how he can be victorious. Well, I say soothsayers. <laughs> we all know it's really just Tiresias. Speaking of Tiresias, do you know why he's blind? Well, it all depends on who you ask. Some people say that it's because of the whole telling the future thing and that the gods didn't like that. Pherakides says that it's all Athena's doing. In that version, Tiresias sees the nymph uh, Cariclo na naked and he's immediately struck blind. There's a break in the text, so it's unclear the exact order of events. Cariclo asks Athena to help restore Tiresias' sight. Athena says that she can't, but she does clean out his ears, allowing him to understand the language of birds, and she gives him a staff that allows him to walk as though he's not blind. 
today, we call it orientation and mobility training. But if you ask Hesiod, it's because Tiresias saw a pair of snakes going at it, and that turned him from a man into a woman. So he sought out the snakes again in hopes that would turn him back into a man, which is exactly what happened. And then, when Hera and Zeus were arguing over who enjoys sex more, they turned to Tiresias because he'd experienced life as both a man and a woman. He says on a scale of 1 to 10, men are at a 1 and women are at a 9, which leads Hera to blind him and Zeus to give him the gift of prophecy, which seems backwards. Maybe they thought he was using golf scoring? Anyway, the Thebans ask Tiresias for his guidance, and Tiresias says that Menoikis should freely offer himself as a sacrifice to Ares, which he does. But the battle begins, and Zeus smites Capaneus. That freaks out the Argives, and they flee. It's an absolute melee. Eteocles and Polynices face each other in single combat and kill each other, and it all goes downhill from there. Melanippus wounds Tydeus, and Athena decides to make him immortal. But Amphirus decides to get his revenge on Tydeus for persuading him to join this ill-fated war, so he cuts off Melanippus's head and gives it to Tydeus, and then it gets kind of gross. Tydeus eats Melanippus's brain. Athena thinks this is gross too, so she decides not to make Tydeus immortal after all. Amphiaros runs away and Zeus opens the earth so that it can swallow him up. Or maybe Zeus makes Amphiaros immortal? It all depends on who you ask. The only su survivor is Adrastus, who is rescued by his horse Arion. That horse is the child of Poseidon and Demeter from this one time that Demeter disguised herself as a fury so that she could seduce Poseidon, which is not something that happens frequently in Greek mythology. And that's the end of the Seven Against Thebes, and it's also the end of the chapter. The two parts that stand out to me in this chapter will probably not surprise any of you. First, Eryphile. I want to know the parts that were glossed over. Phyros blames her for convincing him to go to war. Fraser is even translated that at, um, because Eryphile accepts the necklace, Amphiaros is forced to go. Forced, that is the exact word that he uses in his translation. And this is just another instance of a woman being blamed for a man's actions. It reminds me of when a certain man ate a certain fruit from a certain tree in a certain garden in the stories of another family of religions from the Mediterranean world. And yet, she is blamed so deeply that Amphiaros tells her sons to commit matricide. And, I mean, we all saw what happened with that when Orestes did the same thing. So this does not seem... It, it, it seems like the punishment does not fit the crime, assuming it was even a crime in the first place. Anyway... The other the other thing is oh, good old Tiresias. Oh, good old Tiresias. I love that this version of his story includes details about how he learned to navigate the world as a man who is blind. And that does make me wonder how much disability studies might have gone into researching Tiresias and blindness in ancient Greece. And I am sure that there are people who have devoted their academic careers to that topic. And I could... Um, have looked into that and I didn't uh, but maybe some future episode I th that would be an interesting 
interesting topic to look into. But that that's not the part of Tiresias' story that I really want to talk about. You know the part. The gender-changing part. And this is the part that I remember from way back when I took myth, back in undergrad, because, of course, my fellow triumvirs and I were happy to note that Tiresias says women enjoy sex. And not just that, he says that women enjoy sex more than men. And that's what confuses me about this particular version of the story. It's very dance 10 looks three and Tiresias is the one on unemployment despite the fact that being a woman wasn't for his own enjoyment. That ain't it, kid. Now, Tiresias is doomed no matter what he says because he's either going to piss Hera off or he's going to piss Zeus off, but I just don't understand why he says that being a woman is awesome on that count and Hera says, how dare you? And Zeus says, that's what I'm talking about. If he settled the argument in Hera's favor, why is she so upset? Seriously, I'm asking because I'm confused. If you have thoughts, please pop over to the blog and share. It's at triumvirclio.school.blog. The URL and maybe a link are in the show notes. You can also find me on Patreon as triumvirclio if you feel so inclined. No pressure. In the next episode, we'll cover book three of Metamorphoses. Talk to you then. You can join the discussion of this and everything covered in this podcast by following the link in my show notes. And if you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please consider supporting the show with a monthly donation of your choosing, just like public radio. And please also consider giving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice so that more people can discover the fun that is Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization.